Gary Bettman in the NHL laying out the plan. 24-team mega tournament for the Stanley Cup. Sounds good to me. Look at all the deets on that. Coming up with our buddy Liam McHugh from NBC Sports here shortly. Let's find out how things went on the market on this Thursday. And my man Mike from Lee Baldwin and Company is here to deliver that. Hello, sir. How you doing, Brent? It's living the dream. How about you? How about the market? Well, trying to do the same. We had a down day today. We were up uh, for most of the day, and in the last half hour, we had a reversal down. The Dow closed down 147 points, and the S&P followed down six points. For Diamond, we're going to go with Canopy Growth, symbol CGC, closed up 10% or $2 to $22 ahead of tomorrow morning's earnings. So we started to see a rebound in the cannabis stocks in the last month or two, along with the rest of the market. I was That's reading about uh, our friends here locally, Beacon Skiffer, are getting into that world a little bit. That's right. That's right. It's a booming industry now, and that stock traded down under $10 in March, and it's had a nice recovery back to 20 so a good day for Canopy Growth. You know, there, we'll see there, how was, there were some kids I went to high school with that I should have, uh, you know, if, boy, they were ahead of their time, I think. I should, That's know. one way to look at it, isn't it? <laughs> I think we all know him. a few of those you, kids. You looked at them and you said, you're, <laughs> I don't know where you're going in life, son, right? But now they were just we just know they were ahead of the game. That's all it was. That's right. They were definitely ahead of the game. And we did have a dog, Six Flags, was down about eleven percent to twenty four dollars. It was downgraded by Goldman Sachs this morning and that too it had a nice recovery over the last couple of months. But uh tough day for Six Flags and the downgrade. And that's it for today, X Man. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. That's my man Mike from Lee Baldwin and Company. You can find them at LeeBaldwin.com or stop it in Kaz Manlius or Utica to make sure you have all the diamonds, none of the dogs, on your portfolio. I'm ready for hockey. I know this guy is ready for hockey. I think he's ready just to get out of the house, get out of the apartment as much as he loves his children, right? Like, get, have some adult time, get some get some hockey talk in there. Liam McHugh, our buddy from NBC Sports, joins us now here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Liam, how, how's life in quarantine these days? Uh, it's it's time. You're right. It'd be good to get out. It'd be good to get out of the house. I think it'd be healthy for uh, everyone in my family for dad to to go back to work. I enjoyed it the other day. I was uh, listening to your conversation with Mike Tirico, and I smiled when I learned that you now have a a drum set in the house. And now, what? Who would? Who knowing you, knowing that you have several small children in the house, would come with a drum set like that's like when my? I remember when my mother-in-law. God bless her, gave me, I can't remember what it was. It was like one of those keyboards or guitars or something. And my kid was two. And I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, come on, come on. You know, first off, it's my, uh, my best friend since I was uh, three years old. And he has kids that are a little bit older. And obviously they tried the drums and that didn't last. <laughs> and he shows up, has the drums, pulls into the driveway. My kids are losing their minds now. <laughs> like, oh, God. So, like, there's no turning back. Like, you can't send right, them back yeah, with those. It's over. There is not a happier human being on the planet than he, than my friend, Dean, who is so pumped to not have those drums in his house. And, you know, I'm showing them videos of, you know, my kids at six in the morning uh, waking us up (laughs) with a snare drum and cymbal. Uh, I don't know. You know, who knows, man? Maybe, like, maybe 
15, 20 years from now, I've got the next Dave Grohl. That's I'm trying to convince myself that something good will come of this. You hope so. Uh, but right now, it's just really, really, really loud. When's your birthday? Uh, I got a while. Not oh, November. I was going to yeah. say, we, we need to invest in some good noise-canceling headphones for you. Maybe our, <laughs> our friends at NBC can, can provide that for you. That is a work hazard now. You are working at home, so... Just saying, yes. a nice, nice pair of Beats or Bose uh, sound canceling headphones would be a good investment these days. I, I think it's a smart one at this point. Yeah, yeah, and a, a necessary one. So we'll think it's <laughs> quiet in my house right now because we actually we have the kids in front of the TV. This is like one of those days at school when the teacher and you and I are old enough for this, where they wheeled in the TV like oh, on that stand. It. We love. Oh, it was the best. And then when you get older, you realize you're like, oh, that teacher was just like at their limit <laughs> and couldn't do it anymore. They had nothing left. They're like, here, watch this. That's where we are right now today. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Liam, it's fantastic to hear that. And, boy, I can't remember the last time I was happy to see Gary Bettman on my television. But uh, there he was because we were bringing hockey back. So now that we've had some time to kind of absorb this, what did you think of the NHL's plan to return? Uh, I was impressed just because of you know how thorough, how detailed. Uh, it's such a massive endeavor, and uh, I'm excited about it. I mean, if we take it strictly from a hockey standpoint to begin with, uh, you were never going to make every single person happy. Uh, Rod Brindamore already from the Carolina Hurricanes, their head coach, is not obviously not pleased. He thinks you know it doesn't value the regular season that much, but that's really the case when your team matches up against a Rangers team that may not have made the playoffs and you lost all four times to that Rangers team this year. Uh, so yeah, you're not going to please everyone, but I think it's competitive and I think really you can make the case that just about every team had you played an 82 game season would have had a shot to make the playoffs outside of say the Blackhawks or Montreal. I don't think those two teams would have made it but everyone else would have. I'm excited about it. I love this idea. I love the quick five-game series play-in for these teams to get into the 16-team tournament. And I also have to say, I think the idea that you're doing the top four seeds in both conferences and you're allowing them to play round-robin and there is some meaning to these games is important. And not just from a spectator's point of view, but the players themselves said they wanted to go into this playing meaningful games. They don't want to be in the second round of the playoffs having just, you know, they've already been sitting around. They don't want to sit around anymore. They want to be on the ice ready to go. So I think from both those standpoints, uh, it's a success. But, you know, we still got a lot to do and a lot of time between now and then. There's a lot to do and a lot to figure out, but the plan and the process underway is encouraging. And one thing I've been saying on this show, Liam, is, look, if you're any of these sports and you get back, this is the time to experiment. This is the time to try some things, see what sticks to the wall, see what doesn't, because where else could you kind of experiment like this? I'm always intrigued when I watch the Olympics, and they're doing a different format and different size ice and all these things, and you're like, boy, why doesn't the NHL do this? So in some ways, this is their opportunity to do that while – finishing a season and getting ready to hand out a Stanley Cup and just getting the players back out there, which they want to do at this point. Yeah, and plus I think you have an opportunity where a lot of these teams, especially because they've hit the reset button and now everyone's healthy for this uh, tournament, you have a lot of teams that can be competitive uh, and you're going to see upsets. But this is something that to me is unique to hockey. I, I think if you took the NBA and did a similar system – 
uh, basically what you'd have is a lot of teams that were eliminated fairly quickly that you knew would be eliminated. Uh, hockey has this league where an eight seed can win the Stanley Cup. We've seen that. So if an eight seed can win it, the team that the eight seed beat out by a game or two just to make the playoffs certainly should be able to be competitive within that tournament. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a good plan. I think it is a time, like you mentioned, to be creative with this. The NHL has done that, and I don't know. I'm already pretty pumped for some matchups like the Chicago Blackhawks, Edmonton Oilers in the first round. You got Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. And if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, now you got to deal with Carey Price in that from uh, the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, you got some pretty good 5 12 matchups there. Yeah, Dreisaitl, by the way, who won the Art Ross Trophy, 110 points in 71 games. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. I don't think we need the last 12 to, to figure out uh, who is going to win that thing. And what's amazing about that, Liam, is so when we were last talking hockey, here you have. The Boston Bruins, who had a sizable lead for the President's mm-hmm. Trophy, right? But none of this matters. It doesn't matter the hot streak the Flyers are on. It doesn't matter if you were a team that was stumbling at that point. Of course, my Buffalo Sabres were like one mm-hmm. win away from being in a 24-team tournament, and they can't even yes. get to that, so don't get me going on that. But none of it matters. None of it matters. No. Now, sometimes it doesn't matter the momentum of the regular season spilling into the, the the start of the playoffs. Think of the Lightning when they sailed to the President's Trophy yep. recently, and they got beat in the first round by Columbus. But at least you can kind of get a sense of who's healthy, who's not, and getting a, a sense of the teams that could do some damage in the postseason. What's going to be great about this is we have no idea. We have hit the reset yeah. button. No, we, we, we don't. Uh, you know, The one thing we do know is that and it really is sort of the odd twist to this is that because of COVID-19, we're going to potentially wind up having the healthiest playoffs we've ever seen, uh, which is that we're going to have players who potentially could have missed the first or second round or both, or maybe the entire postseason who are now going to be good to go. So, you know, rosters complete, uh, which is very different. And, you know, to your point about the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's one thing to have momentum or not a momentum, but it's another thing to be playing games late in the season and knowing those games are meaningless. And that really was the case for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So it's one of those where you're playing and you're just going through the motions. You're, you're essentially sitting there waiting for the playoffs while suiting up. Meanwhile, your opponent, and last year that was the Columbus Blue Jackets, he's fighting for their life every single night to try to get into the playoffs. So when the playoffs begin, they're ready. They've been playing that type of hockey. In this one, it's even. Everyone's in the same boat. You are starting fresh. You are starting cold. And I don't know. I'm charged up for this. I think this is going to be easily one of the most exciting tournaments, but it's going to be unique. We're not going to see fans there. It's going to be very different. It's going to look and sound different. But I think in the end, it could also be one of the most meaningful tournaments they've ever had. Everybody, Liam McHugh, NBC Sports, joining us here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. And Liam, I want to be careful how I ask this question because obviously there's bigger things going on in the world. But how important do you did you get a sense that the players, the league, everybody involved wanted to finish the season? Because frankly, we would have understood if they're like, "Look, we just can't get back out there. We can't do this. We just kind of have to say we played whatever it was, seventy games or so, and that's it." But how much of a sense when they figured out they could do this? Did you feel? it was important to them to say, no, we have got to finish the season in whatever way we can. Yeah, I, I was curious about that myself 
when we were, you know, just a few weeks into this and it felt like, all right, well, this is obviously going to be a lot longer than we originally thought. And, uh, you know, I talked to some former players and they said, no doubt about it, they'd be ready to go and they'd be ready to play. And then we found out from the current players that that really was the same. You know, they care about the sport. It's a selfless sport. It's a team first sport. I mean, this is one of those, I think, I forgot who did the article last year where they basically went to locker rooms and attempted to get players to start sentences with me or I, and they couldn't do it. It was always we. It was always about us. And I think the message has been relayed that, uh, you know, this is obviously good for the league. It is good for the bottom line of the league and the bottom line of the players. And I think the Stanley Cup means that much to all of these players. And an opportunity to chase that Stanley Cup is something they never, ever want to give up. And I know, you know, and not everyone's been uh, in agreement with my take on this. Uh, I know that uh, Matthew Shane of the Predators has come out and said that he doesn't want this to turn into the COVID Cup and, you know, doesn't want people to look back at this tournament years from now and not value the champion. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I really believe that hockey's a game where you talk about selflessness, you talk about sacrifice. Well, you're making a sacrifice by playing in this. We all understand that. You're going to be quarantined. You're going to be in a hub city. You're going to be living in a bubble, and you're going to be playing in arenas with no fans. I think at the end of this, you will be remembered forever. You will go down in history uh, on this very different, very special tournament. And I think the players now, I think a lot of the players understand that, and they're embracing it. I agree with you completely there, especially because you played 70 games. It's 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 fractured. It's different. But ultimately, you know, you're going to win the cup and you'll be remembered more in, in some ways. I think than so. Just, than I some, really do. Right? Like, I can't, you know, if, if you ask me to name the last 10 Stanley Cup winners right now, and I know certain teams, you know, Pittsburgh and Chicago and the LA Kings and teams that have won it recently, of course, last year, the St. Louis Blues, but... You're you're going to stand out on a list of, of a team that won a cup under these circumstances, and I think once they get back out there, you're going to see that that spirit shine through. Now, that being said, you brought up something interesting about the hub city approach, and mm-hmm. do you have a time frame on on when they have to make that decision of where to go and how they're going to do it right now? Hearing, uh, you know, within three weeks, they'd like to make the decision. Now, I also would think that uh, because you want to be scientific in this approach that you would keep that to as close to the end of that three week period as humanly possible. Because while you want to make sure that it can host, the city is ready for you, it can host you and that everyone can do it safely. You need to know what is happening in that city with COVID-19. So uh, three weeks I'm hearing, but you know, Elliot Freeman uh, just put out that phase three of the reopening, which is basically getting teams into actual training camps, uh, which, you know, we heard was going to be maybe early July. It looks like that won't start until July 10th, according to his sources, uh, which is interesting because now that pushes everything back, which means that games and play would not happen probably till the very end of July. So maybe this all gets pushed back a little bit more, but um, I thought it would be in terms of those subsidies, they, they want to wait. They want to make sure that that city is ready uh, willing and able. Uh, but it's also going to be interesting, Brett, because a couple of those cities are obviously home to some teams. So, you know, if Vegas winds up hosting this thing, uh, you would think that maybe that will be the Eastern hub because the Vegas Golden Knights aren't going to be given an advantage by playing in their own hub city. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. 
You bring up Vegas, and I'll close on this note. I talked to our, our friend Dan Duva yesterday, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. He used to be the voice of the Crunch here in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And on that note, he said, have you ever been to Vegas in July? I'll just bring that up in terms of <laughs> that, that being a hub city. And I was like, something to think about. Something to, okay, yeah, 115 yeah. degrees in July in Vegas. Just, uh, just, just putting that out there. Good luck with the ice quality. Exactly. On that one. Yeah, exactly. interesting. So we'll see how that yeah. goes. Liam, it's great to catch up. Good luck uh, getting back into the hockey world and with uh, potentially uh, the future Dave Grohl in your household. <laughs> it's going to happen. Trust me. All right. Brad, thanks, man. Thank you, sir. Great to talk to you. Our next guest is an accomplished broadcaster. He is somebody you would uh, hear in Syracuse, New York, as the voice of the Syracuse Chiefs back in the days. A Syracuse University alum. He is an ESPN broadcaster and the voice of the Chicago White Sox. And frankly, I am nervous we're going to lose Jason on those airwaves. Because I think he has a newfound talent. I'd meet a man and I'd follow him blindly. Discovered during the pandemic. His fingers, me, I'd say sure. It's going to lead him to Broadway. It's going to lead him to new adventures. see more. see more. purified me. So while we still have him in the sports world. Suddenly see more. Let's bring him in. Ladies and gentlemen, budding Broadway star Jason Benetti, how are you? Yes, you can. Hi, Brent. Sing how are it. You? Spelt it out. I love that you have discovered this new talent. Jason on Twitter has been doing sportscaster scenes, getting together with fellow sportscasters and acting out Broadway plays with the great Bill Roth on the keys. It's been amazing, sir. Thank you. The, uh, we blew out the budget uh, a couple weeks ago. We did a full episode of Cheers. Stop uh, it. Where we, I missed no, that we did. One. We have, so we have a full episode of Cheers because uh, Ken Levine, former Syracuse Chiefs announcer, when he and Dan Horde were doing the game uh, together, Ken was a writer on Cheers, and he saw sportscaster teams, and he was like, hey, what do you think if I could get George Wentz to play actual Norm? And I was like, dude, absolutely. So we got 11 people together and did a full reading of an entire episode of Cheers, which is on YouTube. Uh, among the other casting geniuses by Ken, we had Chip Carey as Sam Malone. We had uh, Dave Fleming as Cliff Clavin. And really the coup de grace was playing Carla, real, Rhea Perlman's Carla Tortelli, the waitress, was... Susan Waldman of the Yankees. Stop it. Oh, my God. Yes. I have to watch this immediately. You just, yes, I will send you the link. Oh, this is fantastic. I just love that you've been doing that. You've been doing some messages for people on social media as well. But, you know, Jason, it's a great lesson, too, because when sports shut down and we're all like, well, how do we use these forums that we have? Let's put them to, to good use. Let's put not only for entertainment but for good purposes. That's exactly what you, you have done. So, well done, sir. I've been enjoying it. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Brent. And I would say all of this has been sort of farmed uh, as uh, Syracuse Chiefs announcer because when Mike Cousins and I and then Kevin Brown and I were doing games, we were, I mean, when it's 10 to 1, like, what are we doing? I mean, Kevin and I used to play a game called uh, Where Are the Parents, which is where there were just kids roaming free out on the concourse <laughs> somewhere. And we'd be like, time now for another edition of Where Are the Parents? And we'd be like, not there. And then the 3 2. <laughs> That's baseball. That yeah. and I can say this because you had her on your show. That's baseball, Susan. That's exactly right. Right. I, I I couldn't believe we got Susan to play Carla Tortelli. And Susan, by the way, I don't know if people know this. 
Susan Waldman has actual theater chops. I mean, she, she's a well-trained singer. She can act. She's, she's really a, a talented performer. All right, before we get into you know baseball, blah blah blah, I do have one more request for you on the entertainment front. Now, I'm gonna, I, I did you did not prepare for this. This is off the cuff, but I think you can handle it. So just based on your newfound talents here, what I want you to do for me is Sean McDonough watching <laughs> Les Miserables. Okay, because you you also did Les Miserables <laughs> at one point, right? So just yeah, just yeah, give me a yeah. little. Sean McDonough relaxing on a on a on a random night watching Les Miserables. You think he can handle that? I think I like that. Let me get into character. Okay, yep. uh, last time I was in Paris, it wasn't as dirty. <laughs> Why is that small child yelling like an urchin? This is horrible. <laughs> There we go. He just, I mean, seriously, he just stole some bread, and it's four hours later, we still don't have a finish. Now we're talking. Now we're, Jason Benetti, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you knew I was going to ask you for the McDonough impression, but you've never done it in that way. I I think I just gave you a new idea, by the way. Sean McDonough watches Broadway plays, so. Sean Sean McDonough entertainment critic makes me laugh very hard. I don't, I don't know why, why, why Wendy Bird keeps selling uh, all these casino licenses. She's just not uh, not very good at it, apparently. I don't know if you're an Ozark. Yeah, yeah, or like, uh, or uh, uh, when? How come they can pay for those expensive apartments? All those friends when they don't have jobs. <laughs> That sort of thing. <laughs> I think we're onto something here. I really do. I really yeah, do. I like it. Fantastic. I like it. Oh, uh, all right. Let's let's talk some baseball. I, I wish you were calling baseball games right now. And you know, we're hearing some things, and it appears the negotiations are, are getting pretty nasty here, and that, that tends to happen in these situations. But it, let me just ask this simply: Where are we here? Are, are, where are we with baseball coming back? Do you know? Can you give us some? Clearance? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I've honestly been trying to not be on the roller coaster every day because when you're negotiating, like, this is a negotiation. Negotiations sometimes turn nasty. We now have all of these uh, individual players and, frankly, you know, owners through media. Like, they're, both sides are using the media, whether it's social media or whatever, to have discussions out in the open. And that never looks good, no matter what, because you have to negotiate, you have to figure out what the middle ground is for both sides. That's something that needs to happen. I don't like seeing the anger spewing because it just, it looks bad for the sport. And I know there aren't people, there are a ton of people who don't want it to look bad. And there are some people who are using their public forum, whether it be on either side, to do it, this all out in the open, and we're now in an era where everything happens out in the open, and I just wish that wasn't the case. I mean, 94 was bad enough when we were having reports every day of what was going on behind closed doors, and the, the game hurt its reputation. And so Bob Nightingale wrote a piece today in USA Today that I had read that he basically said, hey, look, I think we're going to have baseball, and here's why, and he laid out some reasons. And I, I, feel, I feel very optimistic not because of what I'm reading in terms of the anger and everything. Like, that's not going to make anybody optimistic. However, the NBA, the NHL, MLB, all the sports coming out with their own proposals, if you're the only sport, say baseball or hockey or whichever sport was the only sport not to play, 
you're really hurting yourself. I mean, you really are. So the fact that other sports are starting to move toward playing, I think helps baseball forced into needing to play as well. Look, the way 2020 is going, if I'm watching a team win the Stanley Cup in August and no baseball, like that that would, would not be weird just based on how things are going. But you just said it. That's the intriguing thing to me, Jason, is here you have the NBA and the NHL and their unique situations, and they could kind of swipe in and move in on baseball's corner at a time of the year when baseball kind of owns it. Yeah, you w- you wouldn't want to see that. I mean, for the game, because it's got such a pedigree, it's got such a history, it's not going away. But you have the interesting thing about baseball right now is they're moving toward that uh, the the labor deal ending after next season as well. So some of this is like preliminary to the labor deal coming up. So you basically have two junction points in the next year and a half for Major League Baseball in terms of negotiation to keep the game alive and thriving and steady. And so you have to do this one right in order to nail the second one. And I think it's a really bad time in society to dig in because the public needs baseball at this point. The baseball-loving public needs baseball. I mean, nobody needs anything except for food and water, right? But, like, people want baseball badly right now. So I think it's a, it's a, just a problem chronologically because we have the 2021 postseason labor deal up thing, and I think both sides are using this as, like, a, like an entry-level negotiation. What do you miss about what you would normally be doing right now? Uh, I miss going down on the concourse about an hour before the game, walking to get a root beer float and saying hi to people and taking a random picture. Like, and if I were a fan of the game, it would be high-fiving somebody next to me. Like, when, when's the next time we're going to meet somebody we don't know? And, and that... Uh, sucks a little bit of the life out of baseball and out of everything we do. And that's why baseball is so great because you go to a game, you go to the dome, right? And you're sitting next to somebody that you have no idea who they are. And Jerry McNamara hits a three and you high five the person just because you're excited. Now it's like, Ooh, I wonder if they have COVID-19 like that. That's, that's the thing that I miss most about sports. And the reason why Sports is a civic institution because we actually get to go around people that we don't know. Jason Benetti is our guest, ESPN broadcaster, the voice of the Chicago White Sox, SU grad, of course, and, and the former voice of the Chiefs. And, and Jason, in the question of sports returning in the case with no fans, uh, look, you're uniquely qualified for that. You and I spent some, uh, some mid-April <laughs> nights at that ballpark. Or I could literally look out the window and be like, yep, there's 13 people here tonight, right? That's just the rhythm of baseball. There's some cold minor league baseball nights. You've been places all across the sport where, let's just say, the fans had other things to do that night. So calling a game with a limited attendance is something you've done before, but not something you want to do every night. What's it going to be like? Can you put? Can you wrap your mind around doing a major league baseball game with nobody there, if that's what it comes to? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of getting a prelude to that doing these KBO games from my living room on ESPN because you're not with anybody and you're not even in the stadium. So it's just about maintaining energy. I mean, I I did enough, as you said, I did enough minor league games, Syracuse, but other places too, like in A-Ball on a Monday after a rain delay, there would be like 10 people. There was a game I distinctly remember. I was in Frederick, Maryland with Joel Godet. Uh, another Syracuse alum. He was my number two in Salem, uh, Virginia. 
And we were doing a game in Frederick, and I think it was post-rain delay. It might have just been a, a not very well-attended game. And there were these kids in the row in front of us where the booth was, when we'd stick out a microphone for the crowd mic, and every time a batter swung, they would yell, swing. <laughs> and you couldn't hear anybody else because, number one, there was just nowhere, no one else around them. So they kept yelling, swing. And I would just, the way I would call it, I would go, the 3-2. And they'd yell, swing, and I'd go, and a miss. And I just wouldn't even <laughs> say swing. Like, they just called the swing. So you deal with what's around uh, I wouldn't be beyond making up uh, people like, hey, that's seat 121, row 30, and who you'd normally see in there in that in this game would be this person. Like, if, if, if we shoot a shot of a seat that's usually held by a season ticket holder, I'm probably going to tell their story. Like, I'm not, I'm not beyond going to fantasy land to liven up a, a game with no crowd. You mentioned the, the KBO, and it's been interesting to see people – Get used to that league, learn about that league, the bat flips and the different approach to baseball. Uh, what, what have you learned about this new baseball experience you, you've, been, uh, you, you've been able to do here? Yeah, I've learned uh, baseball's baseball. I, I hadn't been out of the country to watch baseball other than to Toronto. Uh, and, and it's just fun to watch people playing games, all the motions that we're used to. And like, I just love seeing a ball bounce off the bat like seeing somebody make contact and knowing in my heart, hey, that looks like a double play ball. Like I'm playing along because you just know the motion so well because you've watched so much baseball in your life. Um, what I've learned about the league is it's really fun. There's a lot of energy in the players. Usually when there are crowds, it's a party. Uh, there's, there's a whole lot of emotion in the stadiums. We don't have that right now. But the cheer squads are awesome. They're coming up with songs for some of my colleagues at ESPN, like Carl Rabbit's got his own song today, which is pretty cool. Uh, and they're just trying to have a lot of fun with it. And that's what we're trying to do, having guests and talking baseball. And so it's, it's been really fun. I mean, you know, I'm happy to learn any sport, any time, and learn the history of it. So it's been really good. Well, I don't know. There was a, a, a plane that crashed and a smoke monster of some sort, and then I just couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. So, uh, I, three I stars. for a season. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If we do this, I just want a shout-out. That's all I want. You, you can keep all the profit and, and any fame that comes from it. I just want I just want a shout-out. That's, that's all. Dude, I think it's a great bit, Brent. I really do. Did I, ever, did I ever tell you the first time I did the McDonough impersonation for Sean? No, you have not. We were, and I know you got to run, but you got to tell me that real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were at a Newhouse event. He had gotten the Marty Glickman Award, and he came up to me, and he goes, we're at, we're at dinner, and he goes, I heard you do an impersonation of me. Will you do it? And so I said, like, uh, with Jay Billis, Bill Raftery, two XL egos here at the XL Center, I'm Sean McDonough. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, great. When does the impersonation start? hey which is the perfect, like, this very Sean. It was awesome. I love him dearly, and I hope nobody thinks I'm making fun of him because I love him, and I think he's the best. All out of love, and he rolls with the punches on it 100%. So, I don't know. Yeah. There's, a, there's a wacky neighbor who just comes in. He just eats all of Jerry's food. I don't understand why he doesn't kick him out. And there's a Newman guy. I don't know. I do an awful McDonough. You do it. You go with that bit, and uh, we'll, we'll go places with that. In the meantime, it was great to hear your voice. Keep up the great work, my friend. Hope you're calling baseball games again soon, and we'll catch up down the road. That Elaine dances very poorly. Uh, Brent, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank Jason. You. Good to hear your voice, buddy. That's Jason Benetti.